Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter. Morning, everyone. It's crazy. It's like summer here in Naples. People are still on the beach. Uh, sunny weather. Is winter ever going to arrive? This morning, I have two fabulous guests for you. Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jay Ritter on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Sorry for that little second of silence. Um, I'm not sure what happened there, uh, but I can see I have one guest in the room um, and I will be introducing them shortly. As I said, here in Naples at the moment, we are having the most extraordinary weather. People are still on the beach. I'm not sure where you are or what the weather's like for you, but do send us a message and let me know if it's warm or if it's absolutely freezing. This morning, I have two guests, which is really exciting. Um, and I can see one has arrived. Um, <clears throat> they are um, Laura Broadbent and Billy Jago. Uh, I'm not sure if you have heard of them. I'm pretty sure you've, I'm pretty sure everyone has. Um, Laura is an ELT materials writer specializing in in digital and send materials. And before writing, she worked as a teacher in Malaysia, Brazil, and Europe, and then as a textbook translator in Spain. And she's obviously worked on a wide range of digital and hard copy resources, including student materials, apps, and video filming and editing. Billy, Billy Jago is an ELT writer and teacher trainer specializing in digital learning materials and assessment. And she's written for various publishers, including Pearson, National Geographic, and the British Council. Alongside materials writing, she also delivers international teacher training workshops and is the founder of the ELT CPD Professional Development Podcast. So you can imagine how I'm feeling <laughs> to be interviewing a podcaster. I'm pretty sure that her and Laura will simply take over the show and I'm sure it will be entertaining for us all. Both of them have joined up to form Otter ELT, which is a digital agency providing digital content expertise and editorial services to leading publishers and educational institutions. I think it's probably best that they introduce themselves. Um, so I'm just going to see. I have, hello. Hello, it's Billy. Hi, Billy. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm really well. Lovely to have you on the show. Thank you um, so much for having us. I think um, I, I know Laura is there. Yeah. Um, Laura, can you can you just put your hand up again to to join as a speaker? But in the meantime, Billy, um, obviously you have lived and worked in many different places. Where are you based at the moment? 
So at the moment I'm in Edinburgh in, in cold Scotland, completely the opposite weather to, to what you're having <laughs> by the sounds of <laughs> It's honestly, it's, we've been getting like 27 degrees and it's, it's November now. Um, Is that not normal for this time of year? Or? No, it's not normal. And it's probably a little bit of a concern for agriculture more than anything. True. True. Um, anyway, Billy, tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, of course. So um, I've been in the English language industry for around 12 years, just over 12 years. Um, I first started out as a teacher. So I did my CELTA um, and I went to China. I was teaching in China. So sort of large classes of around 65 to 70 students, which was um, definitely an experience for my first teaching. Job. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely had to learn some alternative ways of doing communicative activities. Um, and then I sort of went on to, to Europe. So Italy, Spain, and I was teaching young learners for a while. So sort of focusing um, on sort of drama and singing and dancing, because that's also my background as well. Um, so I sort of incorporated both of them. And then I moved to Cambridge in the UK, where I started teaching at a private language school, so mostly adults. Mm -hmm. um, I was also freelance teaching for a little while as well when I was in, in Europe, sort of focusing on business English and, and different needs, because um, the needs changed in Spain at the time. So a lot of the teachers had to have a B2 level of English. Right. So that was sort of the area that I was teaching and preparing them for exams. Um, and then when I was in, when I came back to the UK, I started doing teacher training as well. So I did my Delta um, and then at the private language school I was teaching at, I sort of wrote and delivered teacher training courses. Um, and it was there that I got the opportunity to do a sample for one of the big four publishers. Mm -hmm. um, my first foray into it was sort of doing photocopyable activities. And um, I was juggling writing and teaching for, for quite a few years until I took the leap to go freelance in 2019. Um, oh, that's a, that's an interesting time. I think a lot of people went, went yeah. freelance <laughs> around then. Um, exactly. Yeah, luckily I sort of did it pre-pandemic before sort of any talk of, of COVID and things like that. So I did have my desk at home ready when work at home became <laughs> the norm. <laughs> exactly. I think um, I did a similar thing to you, actually. I I, I left my, my job of, of 25 years, I think, and went freelance just before the pandemic. Yeah, so it's perfect timing. <laughs> well, it wasn't a perfect time, but oh, no, no, <laughs> it was perfect timing. Um, yeah, so since then I've just sort of been freelance, focusing on um, digital and item writing as well. So writing tests for the British Council, National Geographic, um, Pearson as well, um, and Cambridge Assessment. And then obviously Laura and I started Otter um, earlier this year, which I'm, I'm really, really excited about. So am I. Um, and it's very exciting hearing you both talking about it, but we'll we'll hear from Laura. Are you there? Hi there. How are you? Hi. Hi <laughs> I've made it. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> Hello everyone. Thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, having us. As Billy said, just to reiterate. It's lovely to have you here. Laura, where are you joining us from? So I'm in Brighton um, on the south coast of the UK. So the opposite end to Billy. Um, so we've kind of got the UK covered between us. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And where did your teaching journey start? 
So um, I started by teaching, first of all, I was in Malaysia um, and I was there for about a year um, teaching in a state boarding school. Um, and then I went to Spain. I was mostly in Spain, a couple of other countries um, in Europe, including Switzerland. But then I landed in Spain for about, I think I was there for about six years. Um, so most of that was teaching. Um, and I, there I was in state school um, and then on to private language uh, schools and private tutoring businesses as well. Um, so that was, that was really, really fun. And while I was there, I started um, working uh, on a magazine. So I became an editor and it was an English teaching magazine um, that was wow. kind of published across Spain. Um, so I was part of the kind of editorial team and did some <clears throat> voiceover, which was very fun. Um, and then from there, I then began, funnily enough, actually, I was so I was still teaching alongside this as well. Um, and then I began, um, well, actually, a friend just um, was receiving um, job um, alerts. And she said to me, oh, they're looking, there's a publisher in Spain who's looking for teachers um, to translate um, state school books from Spanish into English um, to go along with the new curriculum demands uh, of the country. Mm -hmm. And so I started, um, I signed up and went along and it was really, really fun because it was my first time in a publishing house um, <laughs> in a, you know, this huge building and it all felt very formal and exciting. Um, Unfortunately, the um in-house editor who i spoke to was really really nice um and then so i started translating those books which was really fun and that was kind of primary and then that was it really that was kind of the end of my teaching career um and i kind of jumped ship over to the translation and then later on to the writing because they essentially ran out of things to translate um, and, and they uh, needed more material <laughs> exactly exactly so your, your spanish must be quite good to be translating textbooks um yes it's definitely not as good now um now i've been in the uk for a while but yes it was it was pretty good at the time um now i'm not sure um, it's quite up to the same standards <laughs> did you did you study it no, Spain, no, or? I didn't. Um, when I first arrived in Spain, I think the only word I knew was hola. Um, that was it. So it was a very steep learning curve. Um, for initially, for the first few months, because I was teaching uh, English, so a lot of most of my friends were English speakers, mm. native English speakers as well. So I wasn't really practicing. But then um, I've, I started doing activities that were only, you know, only Spanish speakers there. Um, and I moved in with only Spanish speakers. Um, so I think I kind of went for the, you know, necessity is the only way that I'm going to learn. Um, and so, um, yes, as they of, call it here, the full, the full immersion. Exactly. exactly. I, I need a full immersion. You're, yes, you're totally right. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, and it worked well. Um, and I enjoy reading, so I think that helped as well because I read a lot in Spanish. Mm. Um, so yes, that certainly helped uh, my level go up. So it, yeah, that was it really. And then I started uh, writing for different uh, Spanish-based publishers while in Spain. And then when we came over to the UK um, about six years ago, um, then I started working for uh, array an array of other publishers. Um, and then 
So that, and I was teaching here as well. Um, okay. So I taught here for a couple of years. I should say I did my first teaching training in Brighton um, before going over to um, Spain. And so, yes, and then have been working just freelance. I remember I probably went full freelance about five years ago, um, mm. so a couple of years before Billy. Yep. Um, and I remember the first year that I managed to survive um, financially only freelance was probably my most exciting year of my career because um, <laughs> it, it, felt, it felt like quite an achievement yeah it is it is an achievement I think um, it it took a while for me to kind of get used to it um, right very different um, maybe we can we can touch on this a bit later um, but yeah going freelance is a um, is a brave decision. However, there is, is a wonderful community of freelancers out there now You're right. that can be really, really supportive. And I suppose that's how we met, isn't it? Because we were at the um, at the Publishing Professionals Away Day, which is a fantastic. I had that was my first, and I thought, "Wow, this oh, really? is great!" <laughs> <laughs> well, not only that, that's where Billy and I met no uh, yes <laughs> at, yeah. that, at that conference so yes we would absolutely back you up and say they these events and i think there there, there are now a lot aren't there around the world mm. um mm. but you two you two seem like you've been friends forever tell me about it <laughs> well <laughs> no we have it when i when we met i think it was like we felt like we'd always known each other from the first moment we met to be honest yes <laughs> it was maybe i can't remember laura was it four years ago perhaps yes i mean when billy asked me this the other day i kind of plucked seven years out of the out of the air and she told me that i was completely wrong so yeah. i think, I think maybe four time, years is right <laughs> yeah i think it was about four years because it was just before i went freelance actually i went there and in sort of capacity as like trying to juggle teaching and writing and i was sort of trying to shift into going freelance. I was gathering as much information from Sue Kay and Emma and Karen as, as possible, really. So, um, yeah, but obviously it was the, the best moment because that changed everything and that's how we met and, and sort of, yeah, have started working together over the last couple of years. So um, you you have founded um, Otter ELT. Um, when did this project begin? And how did it begin? Uh, let's do when and then how. <laughs> uh, Billy, you can start with this. Yeah, of course. I think I think Laura and I like our skill sets really complement each other. As you mentioned, sort of Jane at the beginning, Laura focuses a lot on special educational needs um, as well as digital, and I obviously focus on digital and assessment, which Laura despises assessment. <laughs> so our, our skills really worked well together. So we always knew we wanted to do something. Um, and we were both working quite heavily on digital ourselves, like writing and editing. And we almost could have cloned ourselves for the, for the amount of work that there was. And sort of publishers were asking us, do you know anybody? Do you know anybody? Um, and, and we just thought, well, let's put our heads together and, and create this agency um, with a database of, of digital freelancers, essentially, and digital expertise. And um, yeah, that, that's how it came about. It was a conversation when Laura came to visit in Edinburgh earlier at the year and um, yeah, it's sort of come from there. And I think interestingly, before I went up to Edinburgh, we hadn't mentioned really anything about this. 
Um, but then I think both of us were separately wanting the next stage in our career, wanting to create something of our own. Mm. Um, and then when we, you know, we kind of just started talking about it, I think, on the night of my arrival in Edinburgh. And, and as they say, the rest is history. It was, it was kind of, a, it, was, it, it was almost meant to be. We were clearly both at the same stage, um, I think, mentally as well as professionally to do it. So when, you know, kind of we both mentioned it, it was a bit of a another click moment um, <laughs> after when we met. <laughs> and why Otter? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we went through many names. We sat there and went through many, many names. Um, Otter could have been called, I think, many things. We did kind of settle on, first of all, an animal. Um, because we thought everyone loves animals um, mm. and you know obviously let's think of the cute animals or the nice animals um, <laughs> so that was the beginning wasn't it Billy but then I think yeah I think we we didn't want to be sort of too educational in our focus even though that is what what we're basically what focus think, on <laughs> yeah exactly I think we just wanted something a bit different a bit unique something that we could brand as well um, and obviously otters stick together in, in pairs quite often and Laura and I were just that so we thought why why not her I mean they are, yeah, they are they, when they sleep they, they hold sleep hands. holding hands don't they so that was <laughs> and then well so in the evening we came up with otter and then the next day we were walking down uh, a really nice part of Edinburgh and Billy said to me oh by the way you should look in the river, right? Or, you know, make, Laura, make sure you look in the river as we walk up this path. And I was thinking, okay, um, you know, it's a pretty river, yes. Um, and there was a, is it stone? Is it made of stone, Billy? Or yeah, it it's, metal? it's made of stone and it's uh, it sort of blends into the, to the rock, but there's a stone otter on the rock in the river. Oh. Um, and we later found out that otters, I think, are sort of native to Scotland. There's like 8,000 otters or something. And then the next day, we also got out sort of a £10 note from the cash machine, and it has otters on it as well. <laughs> um, and then there was like a, a horse project or something in Edinburgh with like different horses um, where you'd, the children would have to go around and find each horse. And also, <laughs> they were decorated with otters as well. Oh, and I thought, this is a sign. It, it is a sign. Be. No, it's lovely. It's lovely. I mean, I also, there's another otter, I think it's Otter AI which is mm -hmm. a really yeah. great, yeah. Um, it's a great application to have if you want to sort of get some ideas down. And I've, I showed it to my students at uni the other day and they went, oh my God, that's amazing. And I'm like, yep, great. <laughs> use that one. So yeah, all things, all things Otter are, um, are pretty inspirational and yeah. um, it sounds like you're doing such a great job. Um, what makes you guys different from the rest? Great question. Um, I think I know. Well, we come from a freelancing background. We come from a teaching background ourselves, mm. and we we know what freelancers want in their work. Essentially, we don't really like to use the word packager because I know at the moment, sort of freelancers aren't really keen on on packages because you know they've sort of got a bit of a bad reputation they have haven't they yeah. yeah I think we we sort of 
see ourselves as like an equal opportunities packager we're going to say agency mm-hmm. um, as we're in our infancy we sort of accept um, applications from teachers looking to get into writing as well because we know from our own experience when we were trying to do that you don't really know where to go if you don't have those connections mm-hmm. so not only do we hire sort of experienced freelancers and, and materials writers and editors and project managers but also those looking to take the leap to get into publishing as well which I think is really important because yeah. not everybody has those connections and, and they are difficult to make especially internationally as well so and I think as Billy says there isn't uh, you know a qualification to write English materials um, you know one kind yeah. of clear one is there obviously mm. there are courses um, so as Billy said you know when you're kind of a teacher and you're thinking how on earth do I get into this where you know you don't know anyone Mm. um you know because it's a relatively small world um where you know where where even do you go how how do you get there um and we also we also aware that especially with digital materials we you need people who are brave agile with um you know kind of digital platforms Mm. and not afraid to give it a go and that can often be, you know, the teachers um, who are who are that type of person. Um, well, give, I mean, post yeah, post COVID, uh, I think teachers have, you know, jumped into all kinds of online technical um, changes. They've just sort of embraced it and got yes. on with it. And yes. yeah, and so we want you know those people who are you know still <clears throat> completely. You know they'll be they'll they'll make fantastic materials, um, <laughs> and they'll be able to move quickly with the quickly changing digital landscape. Yeah, um, I think that's key. I think that's key because a lot of experienced materials writers like sort of have their lane, have their niche, and and I think you have to sort of play around with what you like doing. You know, I've done a bit of primary. I perhaps I did okay. I, I sort of wrote a teacher's book, but it wasn't where my passion lay you know and Mm. I think writers and teachers sort of need to figure that out as well and maybe more experienced um, writers sort of getting into the digital side of things can be quite challenging sometimes so I think that also distinguishes us as well like we've got quite a thorough onboarding process we provide training to our freelancers as well on the digital platforms that um, our clients often come to us using. I was going to ask you that because I, um, you know, I've been thinking, I do a little bit of writing, but I'm a bit hesitant to even apply for digital jobs because I, I haven't got Avalian, is it Avalian training? Um, yeah, Avalian. Yes, Avalian, Avalian. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I like that pronunciation. I like that. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds really swanky. <laughs> um, so I've just, I just kind of, steer away from from that kind of, of those kind of jobs that pop up um yeah. that's really nice I to know it's like um it's sort of like any industry isn't it you know you see jobs and you they say oh we want experience but then if someone's just fresh like newly qualified or fresh out of a job and looking to go into someone else you think well how do I gain that experience if no one's willing to give it to me so I think it's really really important to just of course we sort of get a sample from our writers we have a look at their skills and and what they would best be suited to because 
not everyone might be able to write for an app, but perhaps they're very good at writing video scripts, which still comes under the umbrella of digital as well. Mm. So there's an array of different things as well as just writing into different online platforms um, that digital encompasses as well. Harry has just commented, it's a tricky switch. I assume he's talking about switching from normal writing to digital, <laughs> unless he's talking about Free, being a freelancer, ah, writing an app can be super boring too, he said. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, again, and that's an interesting point because I think it really depends on the person. So, you know, as Billy mentioned earlier, she loves writing for assessment. It's what she's, you know, she's one of the go-to people for mm. assessment writing. And, I, you know, if you gave me an assessment writing program or, you know, job, I'd probably cry because... For me, it's boring, um, but it's not boring for everyone. Um, and that's why we're really keen to kind of get a huge array of different people because the umbrella of digital is huge. It's yeah. not, you know, just app writing or, you know, just, um, you know, kind of writing video scripts. There's all sorts. Um, so there's something for everyone, really. Do you, I mean, do you think, I mean, obviously, pr uh, during COVID, there was a huge demand. Do you think that demand will drop or will continue? I think, yeah, I think it's the opposite. Grow. Think, yeah, 100%. I think now, I think before COVID, I don't know if you would agree, both of you, but I think it was more like a supplementary thing. So you'd have like a print book or, or sort of a course book or something, and then the digital would sort of be thought as a secondary component to it. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I don't think that's the focus now. I think there's going to be a lot more digital-only products um, because a lot of teachers around the world I've just come back from um, Peru and a lot of teachers there are mostly still teaching online because the situation is completely different around the world still mm. so I think that needs to be catered for a lot more than ever before and I think as technology is evolving with sort of incorporating AI into apps and things now and being able to mark speaking and writing automatically I think there's the need has grown and mm. it's more urgent now than ever because at the end of the day, if something like this happens again, then we need to be prepared for it. And I think English language has sort of been lagging compared to other industries in that respect. That's really interesting. Peru must have been fascinating. Yeah, um, it was wonderful. It was really wonderful. I did some sort of teacher training and spoke at a conference over there. So, How exciting. How exciting. Yeah, I mean, you're both very, very good teacher trainers. I've seen you in action, even though it was... A, a five-minute um, <laughs> presentation. You managed to to just pack in so much and get it across to your audience really, really clearly. So I think it must be wonderful working for you. Um, I'm just going to pause for a moment and go to the news, but I will see you back here. I have several more questions for you, so please don't go away. Fantastic! Can't wait. <laughs> if you could just. Thanks. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. If you're listening to this, 
then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Saturday the 29th of October saw a so-called March of the Mummies, according to an ITV news report. Hundreds of people campaigning for improvements in childcare and working conditions for parents took part in marches in Manchester and 11 other cities. The march was organised by campaign group Pregnant Then Screwed, who say that the UK has some of the world's most expensive childcare. The group believes that children in the UK are being born into poverty because parental leave is not well paid enough and a lack of flexible working conditions is forcing parents out of the workforce. A spokesperson for the campaign group said research suggests that employers are desperately trying to find highly skilled people to work whilst hundreds of thousands of women who desperately want to work can't. In response, a government spokesperson said, the government is committed to supporting working parents and helping them participate and progress in their working life. The UK has one of the most generous maternity leave entitlements in the world. They went on to highlight the recent consultation on making the right to request flexible working a day one right for all. More than £7.5 million has been announced for the extension of mental health programmes for schools in Northern Ireland. Education Minister Michelle McIlveen announced funding continuation for the Engage 3 and Healthy Happy Minds projects. Ms McIlveen said that the feedback from school leaders and staff was that both programmes had been invaluable in helping to support pupils across all educational settings. Both schemes were created to help alleviate the impact of the pandemic on children and young people. Durham University students have queued on the streets overnight to secure a home for next year, according to a report from the BBC. Lists were released and hundreds lined up outside of estate agents in the city, with one student saying some showed up at his current accommodation for a viewing in a panic for next year. The university said it had anticipated pressure on the private rental market and increases in rent and was giving the issue urgent attention. Durham Students' Union described the city's housing market as broken and claimed that increasing student numbers were putting both welfare and education at risk. First-year undergraduates in the city have guaranteed accommodation but have to find their own housing after that. The university is encouraging students to contact their college if they are facing difficulties. TES magazine features a story from Scotland as a teaching watchdog raises child protection concerns with the government. The General Teaching Council for Scotland says its role protecting children is being adversely affected by police failing to share information. A judge ruled last year that critical evidence should be shared by police. But the GTC for Scotland says the change has been slow to take effect. New figures also show that the GTCS, Fitness to Teach process, has also been hit by the pandemic, 
with the average time taken to close a case increasing to 249 days during 2021-22, compared to 113 days the previous year. The GTCS is responsible for investigating and making decisions about Scottish teachers' fitness to teach, and says it relies on agencies sharing information and making referrals. Police Scotland's Assistant Chief Constable responded by saying that child protection is a priority and no child will be put at risk of harm. The GTCS has recently come into criticism for its handling of child protection cases. The full article is available via TES magazine. Professor Alison Beverstock has been awarded with special recognition at the Soldiering On Awards 2022, held in London recently. Professor Baverstock is the founder and director of the charity Reading Force, which promotes shared reading within Force's families. The UK's 130,000 Force's children typically face ongoing challenges such as disrupted education, uncertainty and parental absences. The Reading Force project was designed to promote family connectivity through books, as well as raise higher education aspirations, engagement and transition. The Soldiering On Awards recognise the achievements of those serving in the armed forces, as well as those who support them. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk about buying a laptop question I get asked all the time. So this is what you need to know if you're considering buying a laptop for yourself or a loved one. First up, it's physical shopping versus online shopping. My only advice on this is consider how much you're saving online. If a device goes wrong and you bought it from a shop, you can take it back. Online support will usually require you having to post the device back, which can be a bit messy. Even if you buy online, it's always good to visit a shop and actually see the device. I use these few tests to help me decide on a laptop. First, what is it for? If it's for gaming, then you need to look if it will run the game you want to play. All gaming machines will tell you how they perform with popular games. Pick your game and then it will just be a balancing act on how much you're willing to pay. More expensive usually equals better gameplay. Screen size is my next decision. If I'm going to be taking it places then a smaller screen will make it easier to fit in a bag. If you're using it a lot you might want a bigger screen. Next I try the G test. This is incredibly technical. It involves pressing the G on the keyboard and seeing how much the keyboard flexes. This is a good indicator of build quality. More robust designs will flex less. Sometimes this is a factor I use to decide between two models that are equally powered. If you're a bit of a DIY computer geek, then see if you can upgrade the hard drive and the RAM, etc. Some top-end gaming machines of a cheaper model and bar a small amount of graphics speed simply have more RAM and a bigger hard disk. Next up is the operating system and the life of the device. Pretty much every device will have a point in time where it's not supported anymore and will stop upgrading. It won't stop working but you'll no longer be able to keep up to date. Sometimes a device with a shorter upgrade life will look appealing because it's cheaper. However, in the long run, it won't last as long. Will a reconditioned computer suit you better? A second-hand or reconditioned machine will usually be considerably less. After all the other checks, have a look at the keyboard. The spacebar, if not replaced, will give a good indicator of the amount of use the machine has had. With new or old, feel how hot it gets. Some laptops run hotter than others. This could be uncomfortable if it's on your knee. Look where the power socket is. Will it be an obstruction in your favourite chair. If it's leaned on regularly, it can be broken. Finally, don't be dazzled by flashy lights and gimmicks. At first, you notice them. They'll soon be a part of the furniture. There's no such thing as a bad machine nowadays. There are lots of machines purchased, though, which are not fit for purpose. As always, feel free to send your thoughts to at TT Radio 2022. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. 
So that's probably a good question for you two, as you are in, in digital. <laughs> what is it, laptop or um, or desktop? Do you know what? Computer. I, I really enjoyed that two-minute tech talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I always I always enjoy them. It's fascinating. And I was thinking loads. Um, so I have a curved. Um, so I have a laptop, um, and I also have a curved um, screen separately, um, and. <clears throat> it's huge it's as big as my tv um when i first oh, wow. got it i had to buy a new desk to fit the screen <laughs> um so it's, it's a big deal but i have to say i absolutely need it i'm even considering getting yet another screen you'll be like um, fully absorbed in the yeah. documents <laughs> surrounded by screens <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i know it's a it's a dream um i have to say um I really like the curved screen. I think it's what, what is it about the curved screen that because so I, I can my boys sit it have in that for gaming. Corner. Yes, yeah. I can sit it. So essentially, I have my let's say I'm looking down the center of my desk. Um, just to the right, I have my laptop propped up on a stand, so it's obviously slightly higher up. Mm. And then in the left back corner is the curved screen. So because it's so large. It um it kind of sits in the corner, so because it's curved, then it all you know it's kind of facing exactly um, towards my face rather than mm. face. I have to turn my head less. Okay. Um, so it's very comfortable. Wonderful. I have a laptop a and Billy? I plug it into um, a second screen. So I I used to have two screens and then my laptop, so it was like three screens. But I felt like that was maybe too much. <laughs> so now I've just got the one screen and my laptop, um, and then just a separate keyboard. But I like to change out where I'm sitting. I find if I sit at my, my desk too long and I find like I get a bit of a number. <laughs> so <laughs> I need to move around. And, and sometimes I think some work is doable just on my laptop screen. So if I can sit on a comfy chair and just use that or go to a cafe, then that's fine as well. Mm. Also, Billy, Billy, you work next to the window, don't you? Which yes. I think is it's yeah, a really, really nice important. big window, isn't it? For sure, yeah. <clears throat> I didn't used to do that in my old place and I just found I bought one of those those um like lights that replicate the sun. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, it, I mean nothing can really replicate the sun in all honesty. So <laughs> yeah, I think it's really important to just have light and window and, and as yeah. much brightness as you can, to be honest. Yeah. I think that's yeah, I mean I I, I find I don't know if you've just changed um time but we've just changed time yes, here and I find yes. that I find it really depressing yeah. <laughs> and for me it gets dark at five o'clock I, I think for yeah. you guys it gets dark even earlier yeah oh, Billy you're you, what time did it get dark for you yesterday so you yesterday it was four, four yeah half past four it got dark but it just feels like the evenings are so long and by like seven o'clock you're like is it bedtime <laughs> <laughs> And we were also saying, as soon as it gets dark, we can't work anymore. That's, no. that, you know, this is kind of the day over because your body kind mm. of goes into, you know, hibernation mode for the evening. Definitely. So, <laughs> well, our, do our days are quite short, which sounds great. <laughs> but when you've got to fit as much work in. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's a bit tricky. Um, <laughs> Moving on from resources, I mean, you've got your you've got your tech stuff. Um, are there any resources that have really helped you on your journey? Laura is my best resource. If I'm honest, <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't. I know this is not a physical resource, but I think having someone, especially as a freelancer, it's so important to have someone to 
one bounce your ideas off and two just to check in sometimes because Mm. it can be such a lonely profession I mean especially if you're a writer because you're taking feedback all the time and so it's you're taking criticism on your work and then that's not personal you know you need to separate Mm. that but it is important to have somebody to just be like like how do you feel how's things like what do you think of this idea what are you doing especially in moments where there's perhaps not so much work I saw on them LinkedIn today that some people were talking about sort of the lack of work at the moment and I think that's that's really important to know that you're not alone in that and you're not the only person in that situation so for me the key thing is just having someone or a community of people that you can speak to oh hello hello (laughs) what happened Sorry. you're right <laughs> yeah yeah sorry um yeah so for me it's just having a person or a community um, of people to speak to definitely I think yeah and maybe that comes from actually being a teacher because mm. we we're used to having staff rooms and yeah. um those staff rooms were then almost replaced by I know for some of I, I teach um at a uni here and you know our staff room is actually our whatsapp group we don't see yeah and, and linkedin is like an even bigger staff room yeah, for freelancers yeah. um but you're very very lucky to have each other laura you haven't mentioned your resource uh, yeah i'm struggling now <laughs> obviously billy <laughs> um i think so it was interesting because i almost have life before billy and life after billy um, <laughs> so, and life of you know life after billy has been a hell of a lot better than life before billy um and i think for various reasons you know kind of as billy has already mentioned and particularly as a freelancer you know when you're there is no one in this world that i will be so candid with about um charging how much i charge Mm-hmm. Um, how much I'd like to charge, how much I need to charge. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you, you get lots of people kind of talking, um, you know, pay's not enough, but the, you rarely see numbers. Um, and it's yeah. very, you know, and obviously that, that's culturally a tricky thing because in some countries people are much more open to talking numbers. Um, I remember when I lived in Malaysia, you know, that, you know, you buy something and someone says, how much was it? You know, it's it's a it's fine mm. um, in other cultures that's not quite the case so and I think that is really important for freelancers because otherwise you really don't know you you know someone a publisher might say what's your fee I mean you know you could cut the range mm. could be absolutely huge and there's absolutely no way of you knowing mm. so Billy is the only person I have ever been able to talk to that talk to about that which is for me liberating I think that's, yeah, really useful. I mean, I sometimes, I'd, I, you know, I get sent a, um, I get sent a brief and that's the price. And I didn't know that you could ask for more money. Yes, <laughs> negotiating. You know? Negotiate it. <laughs> oh, you can actually do that. Wow. And, and um, some people do. Yes. Oh, Harry's Harry's just commented. I have a, he has a money chatting person too. <laughs> yes, I've got one. Um, I found one, and I sort of occasionally just text her and say, "Does this sound right to you?" Yeah. And yes, um, yeah. you know, I but think the, the ELT publishing professionals website is quite good as that, at, mm-hmm. that as well because they do the um, the they're sort of in, involved in the away day that we were talking about earlier, and they do a. Um, 
what's it called like a re- like research every few years every few like years of prices yeah, yeah. Mm. And i think that's really useful just to know sort of a ballpark range of, of what someone should be charging as well mm. 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 yes that's really you're right that is that's a great resource um that's physical <laughs> um i think or in my in my before billy life when i completely started writing um because i had i didn't know anyone who wrote um elt materials mm-hmm. i didn't know any publishers it was it was you know very much the feeling of me in a big black hole on my own um and I think because now the the freelance community is quite big because I think there are more freelancers now because there are fewer in-house people. So it's a kind of, you know, an industry that's growing and growing. Um, And when I started, whether that existed and I wasn't aware of it or it was smaller, I have no idea. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But obviously for me, it didn't exist. Um, And so I certainly found the ELT teacher to write a books that was my first port of call mm. um, because again I didn't know about any courses I know you know there are Nile courses now which are you know very very good I didn't know about those at the time mm. um, and I think they did exist at the time um, and so I found uh, you know I've got three of their books and I just studiously read through them did all the tasks um, and you know that kind of helped me Mm -hmm. um but there i had very few physical resources um and it was definitely a case of you know just um kind of googling contacts and pushing just pushing pushing, it's hard isn't it especially Mm -hmm. when you're you're teaching like you i mean obviously not everyone wants to go freelance but i'm sure like teachers are happy to network and, and things more and and just see what else is out there in ELT and I think it's hard to know even where to start so yes, just yes. having a resource like teacher to writer perhaps oh. going to an away day in capacity as a teacher like I did initially just sort of meeting other people obviously LinkedIn as well um I think Laura recently spoke at Innovate ELT in Madrid as well and, and just sort of going to these things and meeting people is, is just a really useful way as well yeah how was that laurie you met with harry <laughs> i did yes yeah he's very tall in real life <laughs> oh is he he's really tall and i'm really short so uh that was, that was a, a neck-breaking experience um no it was it was really good because and as billy said you know i think you know when you go to conferences you it, i remember the first few i went to you know i kind of hid in the corner of the room and was terrified most of the time mm-hmm. um and i think you know it was really nice the innovate elt one in barcelona because it was super friendly um you know everyone you know is really nice and chatty because it's small um mm-hmm. it's much less overwhelming you know if you go to itefl it's quite overwhelming <sighs> Yes, um, and again, you get lost. Yeah, you get lost, and you kind of you get the same feeling of where do I start because it's so big. So I, I would absolutely recommend these smaller conferences. Um, it was brilliant fun. Um, you know, met uh, people that I did and didn't know, um, people that I only knew online, like Harry, um, who's now a you know a physical reality, and I, you know it was brilliant. Um, and I would say it is very nice being in the smaller ones. Um, there's I would absolutely recommend because they're and obviously they're more you know regular and yeah 
And so that that be your that that's your other resource apart from yes. <laughs> yeah, and also you know I love chatting. Um, you know, it's hard yeah, to I've shut me up. <laughs> <laughs> so so I do really enjoy the events. <laughs> I've also just noticed um, Harry said listen to great podcasts. So of course, definitely plug the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> listen yeah, to all of our podcasts. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yours, so, mine, and Harry's. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> no, you can, um, you know, you, you've definitely spoken to lots of really brilliant professionals. Yeah, and um, I, I feel honoured to have had the guests on that I have, to be honest, especially oh. as coming from the teaching background, like Sue Kay is an absolute legend to me. Isn't and she? Everything, yeah. and, and Lindsay Warwick as well. Everything Lindsay's written is mm. just incredible. The pedagogy behind the way she writes and the flow of her materials and I've I've interviewed her and worked with her and obviously John Hughes and um, yeah just a just a fab lineup of of guests on the podcast and it's called ELTCPD. <laughs> yes, and it's great for teachers. It's great for teachers and writers. I think so. Yeah, no, no, I've I've dipped in quite a bit. It's um it's inspirational. Where do you see yourselves in five years' time, Ooh, Otters? Question. <laughs> Tricky question. I think um, Otter is our main focus. Of course, we want to keep building with Otter. I mean, things took off very quickly, um, a lot quicker than we probably anticipated. We sort of had our, our first client within about three weeks of establishing and launching. So we're um, all systems go with Otter at the moment. So hopefully Otter will be the number one go to <laughs> packager. Uh, in, in ELT but Laura what what do you foresee I agree um and I also would love to kind of spread across to you know kind of other companies that aren't necessarily the big publishers mm. um you know there are loads of edtech startups and they're doing really exciting things um and so I would really like to you know kind of spread um uh, you know our kind of otter otter do they have feet um waders i don't know what they are <laughs> <laughs> now you have... <laughs> now 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 um yeah, i've got i don't know why i've got platypus in my yes exactly <laughs> no <laughs> anyway they they're flat feet um um and i i do you know what i'd also really like for us as otter to travel the world more and see and meet um writers educators um you know kind of around um as many people because i it's it's really exciting um and meeting all these people i think since we started otter which obviously hasn't been long we've already met really interesting people mm -hmm. um harry has just given you a new hashtag yeah, do, do you have have free? <laughs> there we are <laughs> Although it looks like do otter shave feet. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's obviously Googled it because he said they do, by the way. They do. That's interesting. They definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think as Laura said, just just widening the scope as well, because obviously it's, it, we want to sort of have freelancers from across the world, you know, with different expertise and, and, um, yeah, I think LinkedIn only reaches so far, you know, because it's only your net, essentially, mm. and then maybe one or two 
connections more than that but just just to widen the net in terms of freelancers as well and as laura said meet meet more people face to face as as things allow and um yeah i mean we digital is developing all the time so in five years it's hard to know what what the landscape of digital will look like so i guess we just need to continue growing and and being ahead of of, um, the I also think, yeah, there's going to be a huge investment in low tech and accessible tech. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, things like Telegram. I know um, quite a few people are sort of moving because in uh, in a lot of countries, actually, internet access is yeah. yes is difficult. Um, yes, it seems to be moving that way. Mm-hmm. Yes, which is brilliant. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's an exciting time and you, you're in the right place. And I I think, you know, it's been great that we've actually had this sort of little push through COVID and it's made us realise that we can actually get stuff done. Um, I know we're not allowed to talk about our own projects and things like that, but and you're perhaps not allowed to talk about yours because of your client, they're your clients. Um, but I actually just, it's this little project that I'm working on at the moment and I noticed that rather than you know creating a unit and then you know making sort of supplementary video material to go with it it starts with the video and the lesson evolves from that yes yes which um is interesting in itself absolutely it's yes the way we're kind of treating um uh, digital i think is you know, because basically the the users, the students are are essentially, you know, in many aspects using digital first um, for, you know, whatever it may be. You know, your banking generally is mostly online now. Mm. Um, and that was just a weird example. Sorry. Um, no, but, it's, you know. it's true, though. Shop, I mean, my my supermarket shop is online because mm. I think about all the time right. it took to, to go down, do the shop. Um, pack it up, have it delivered. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why change? Lo- no, it was something I started in in during lockdown because I I couldn't physically go to the mm-hmm. supermarket, yeah. and I just thought, well, actually, that's a lot easier, isn't it? And I can do something else with that time. Exactly. Yes. I think yeah. the way in which students are interacting with digital and their needs have changed as well. Mm. Um, again, just just sort of speaking to teachers in Peru, a lot of them were saying like. Yeah, we have apps with multiple choice questions, drag and drop activities, things like this. But students don't really want that anymore because they've been doing that for the last two years. Mm. So people coming out with new apps, new, I'd say in quotations, it's just a sort of reiteration of what's existed before. So I think it needs more of a gamified element, something more engaging now, mm. something unique that, that learners can learn that make them want to learn rather than just having the same print activities reiterated into digital essentially mm. um, so I think yeah just just moving forward and, and coming up with new innovative ideas is is super important at the moment mm. um, it's kind of like the, the stakes of engaging students are raised on being raised yeah having interactive videos now rather than just sort of having a simple worksheet to correspond to it and things mm. like that and I think that's partly, you know, it's, it's ways of giving students agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as it's interactive, obviously, as teachers will well know, um, as soon as, you know, students can take responsibility or, you know, are given the responsibility to choose something in their learning, exactly. mm-hmm. um, that, you know, they're, they're right in there much more. 
um, and because you are now, you know, you're coming across lots of courses that whether they're hybrid or they're completely remote, not necessarily online, because mm -hmm. obviously you can do lots of teaching when you're or learning on digital products, not connected to the internet. Um, they're on their own. And so that engagement has to be much higher than it has been. Mm -hmm. um, also the support, um, you know, because Mm. You know, you could give them many drag drops, fill in the gaps, whatever. If the student doesn't know why they're doing it and they don't care why they're doing it, they're not going to do it. Um, so all of this yeah. is, you know, they're big, big digital aspects that and also have the to be push pushed. For like mm. diversity and inclusion as well, which mm. Laura sort of um, has a bit more knowledge than I do on that. But sort of having activities that are accessible to everyone as well, you know, mm. um, there's a limit to to what can fit on a screen and there's a limit to how the activities can be at the moment mm. but i think just incorporating and, and thinking about accessibility and the needs of different learners and learner styles is really crucial as well with digital I think, components yeah i mean a friend of mine during lockdown she's a single mum she had two kids online for school <laughs> and she had a laptop and it it's quite a juggle, um, you know, moving from yeah. the phone to like the, the laptop and, and, and obviously the content, um, it, it had to change because yes. they could access it. Yeah, they were quite small. Um, it was a really, it was a juggling act. Um, and we need to, you know, we need to think, you know, not everyone can buy, um, you know, a computer for each of their children and yes. um, how are they going to how they access it is is really fundamental you're absolutely right um you know you can you know spend loads of time and money on creating these amazing apps with 3d images coming out revolving around brilliant mm. um you know that stuff's not cheap and that stuff's not a reality for many people and so for me the more you know the, the really fun puzzle is you know making these exactly the same learning objectives and engagement for many other people um mm. which is really fun um and then kind of mental gymnastics um you know to see how you can do it and i think that's going to be a big thing in the future um so when we say you know kind of digital is growing it's not necessarily it's getting more flashing lights and shiny bits it's it's you know kind of spreading more evenly wonderful i'm looking forward to to following you too um I've got a couple of silly questions for you. Um, <laughs> um, I know you've both got superpowers because you're super trainers, you're super organized and you work brilliantly together. But if you could have an, another superpower, what would it be? Oh, good question. Mm, Laurie, you go first. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um... Apart from the obvious of speaking every single language in the world, mm. I, think, I think that would be it. Um, because, the, the, you know, I, from speaking a couple of, you know, other, other extra languages, it's opened my mind so much and made me realize different ways of thinking, different ways of approaching life, um, different ways of being. Um, and so imagine if I knew all of the languages because obviously with a language comes a culture and mm. a, a mindset so to be able to you know have an as an open a mind as possible to all the different people in the world and the way they think and behave that would be my dream brilliant 
That's a wonderful answer. Now, <laughs> completely, like, what am I going to say to top that? I, I was going to say something like the ability to. No, maybe that's not good. <laughs> I was going to say the ability to sort of like clone myself so that all the things that I want to fit into a day, I can actually fit. Because mm. as, as everyone always says, there's not enough hours in the day. And I feel that's so true, um, especially sort of like juggling life, juggling work, juggling a business. And, and I feel having multiple <laughs> not versions of myself because I wouldn't enjoy that but multiple <laughs> versions or things that can that can replicate the things that I want to fit into my day or my week <laughs> would be just, really helpful yeah or even great. even like being able to just pause time have a little snooze yes. recharge yes. and then you know get get on with the rest of it um yeah, yeah. but no you're right there are never enough there are never enough hours in the day Definitely. You're so right because you always want to have your best self for everything you do, <laughs> and you know that's you know not really reality. So good point, Billy. <laughs> Although I, Billy is always her best self, by the way. No. <laughs> I like the languages. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Laura now and say yeah, the languages is, is definitely. Now, if you're a type of food, what type of food would you be? <laughs> Broccoli. <Ooh. laughs> Broccoli. I love broccoli. broccoli. Yeah, <laughs> I love trees. <laughs> I love. <laughs> I just uh, definitely broccoli. Definitely broccoli. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I was going to say something like a roast potato. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit crispy sometimes on the outside, but always oh. fluffy on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of go well together, you know, on a plate. Yeah, well, yep. You just need a. Um, you just need the main. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, it's been so lovely talking to you both. Um, uh, we could probably keep going. Um, just before I close, if, if people want to get in touch with you two, yes. how can they do that? Um, go to our website. I'll read it out a couple of times. <laughs> so it's otterelt.com. So it's O-T-T-E-R-E-L-T.com. Um, we have can, a you... contact us page yes. on there. Perfect. Publishers, institutions that want to work with us, but also freelancers. Mm -hmm. um, and we're on Instagram, LinkedIn and Facebook, although we're, we're getting rid of Facebook because we're not we, we we feel not that many people use it as as much as um other platforms so yeah instagram at otter elt and linkedin as well mm -hmm. um and of course both of us our individual names billy jago and laura broadbent as well feel free to contact yep. us and, uh, yes <laughs> please do please do as well um, we'll we'll do we'll do we look forward and to I'm hearing sure, from everyone yeah no that sounds um I'm, I'm, I'm just really impressed with the support that that you you give people which is not common <laughs> no and i i, I would um, yes, because I would you are, i mean you are such good trainers i think that's that's brilliant um and and you know someone to sort of help you along a little bit is always a nice yes. way to to start out well that's how you find the best people as well um, I, we, we believe so um yes we we really enjoy supporting and giving support and receiving support, sharing support. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a wrap for today. Um, 
although Harry said, keep going, there's hours until the next clown comes on. (laughs) (laughs) We could don't forget to tune in. Yeah, don't forget to tune in this evening. (laughs) And thank you very much for having us. It's been 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 nice. It's wonderful talking to you both. And I hope to catch up with you again somewhere at a um a conference or an event sometime soon. It's just it's been and if anyone wants to let us know about any events Mm. Um, that we can come and join and meet you please do let us know um, <laughs> on the website we'll be there hop skip and a jump <laughs> thank you and thank, thank you Jane. so much thank for coming much. and yes, uh, see you soon bye take care bye 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 you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.